Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. On Wednesday nights, we, we go verse by verse through uh, the Bible. And right now, we're in uh, the book of 1 Peter. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Reading out the New Living Translation. Now... Who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be worried or afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Verse 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. I love that phrase. To bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit let's pray together father i thank you for the opportunity we have lord to uh, to study your word to preach the message of the gospel lord i ask that as we open our hearts that you would give us spirits of understanding and give us eyes that would see what you are doing in our midst lord our hope is in you Lord, as we deal with this subject, I pray, I pray, God, that tonight that we'll we'll get to the end of this study and we'll be transformed and changed by the power of your spoken word. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening, we pick up on on the theme of suffering. And the good news is Peter proclaims that suffering leads to resurrection power. Peter is telling his reader uh, ones that they're not to run away in fear, but we can stand strong in Christ. For Christ himself suffered, but was raised to life. So the story ends in resurrection. The story ends in life. We're going to take a few moments and talk about Christ, our example. Last week, we spoke about suffering, so let's pick up there. And we talked about several different things last Wednesday night. You know, suffering is a part of living. Suffering is a part of living. See, all Christians will go through times of suffering. You remember the words of Jesus 
John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Where do you find peace? You find peace in Christ. He says, I've told you these things so in me you will have peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Isn't that good news this evening? We can take heart because Christ has overcome the world. We also learn this about suffering. We learn that suffering is not aimless. Suffering is not without purpose. God sovereignly uses circumstances to teach powerful lessons or, or accomplish his will. Last week, we made reference to Joseph. And we see this in Joseph's tough circumstances back in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. Because of his suffering, it led to many people being rescued. And I love the words that Joseph said to his brothers in chapter 50 of Genesis. Verse 19 and 20, it says, Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. What a great perspective. The enemy means to harm you, but hear me, God intends to bless you. God intends to produce fruit of righteousness in you. God intends to do something wonderful on your behalf. And then Joseph said, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. We also spoke last week about how suffering teaches us to trust God. Let's make a decision during this season to draw closer to God. Psalm 119, verse 67, the psalmist said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. See, there's something about going through a crisis, going through a, a hardship that causes you to realize what really matters. And what matters, church, is your soul. What matters is the condition of your spirit. And the psalmist said, when everything was well, I went astray. But, but guess what? When hard times fell, I learned how to keep your word. The psalmist says his afflictions were good because they made him more faithful and taught him God's commands. Verse 71, he says, my suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. See, God has a way of getting our attention. Possibly a, a, a way to look at this, a perspective to look at what our nation is going through. This is an, an opportunity for our nation to, to reset uh, to, to hit the reset button and to, and to really pay attention to the decrees of God. May we learn to trust and rest in the scriptures as we respond to suffering and affliction in appropriate God-given ways. Now, now notice here in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, notice what 
verse 14 says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. He'll reward you. Now, Peter seems to have in mind the words of Jesus. Matthew records them in his gospel in the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, it says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In other words, Jesus says there is a certain possessing of the kingdom of heaven when we suffer for doing right. And the reward is a greater possessing, a, a greater understanding of God's power, a, a, a more intimate fellowship, a, a, a greater anointing in one's life. So Peter makes this statement, so don't worry or be afraid of their threats. The Holman New Testament commentary writes this, Opponents often attempt to intimidate believers to change their right behavior or to deny their right beliefs. Inherent in fear is the suggestion of being put to flight, of running away. And the word describes terror that causes you to flee, to run, to hide. In the midst of suffering for doing what is right, Believers are sometimes intimidated into running from their belief system or running from their circumstances. And Peter's counsel was that they should not allow this to happen. So glad tidings, let me encourage you, stand firm in your belief system. Stand firm in what you know is right. Don't be intimidated by your circumstances. Don't be fearful by what is going around. But stand upon the word of God and stand upon conviction. Instead, Peter says this, don't run in fear, but worship Christ as Lord of your life worship Christ as Lord the appropriate response to persecution the appropriate response to affliction the appropriate response to, 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 to the, the tough situation around you is to worship Christ as Lord of your life that word worship in the original here, it means to sanctify. It means to make holy. And the idea is to make oneself as dedicated to God by becoming more devoted or more holy, more righteous. Instead of running away in fear and giving up on your beliefs, sanctify the Lord as God of your heart. Sanctify him. Worship him even more. Become even more committed than you were before. So Peter says, don't allow persecution, don't allow suffering or the threat thereof to cause you to run in fear. Instead, make a decision to be more determined than ever. Make a decision to be more committed than ever. Make a decision to be determined in your faith. Become dedicated in your worship, more righteous in your behavior. 
Let's make the devil mad in this season. He thinks he's going to knock you off. He thinks he's going to crush you. He thinks he's going to overwhelm you. He thinks he's going to cause you to run from your belief. But instead of running from your belief system, let's become more radical. Let's become more on fire. Let's become more anointed. Let's become more righteous. Let's pursue the presence of God like never before. Make this your commitment as Christ, as Lord of your life. Now notice the title Lord in the Greek is kurios, and it means master, denoting ownership, head, ruler, or one who commands. It was a title used of God and Christ. So Peter is telling these believers to set apart Jesus as Christ or, or Lord or master of their life. And he, he as Lord and master will be both their provider and their defender. As provider, he would resource them. And as defender, he would guard them, protect them, and keep them. Now let this get deep in your spirit this evening. Let this get deep into your soul tonight. Allow the circumstances of your life to cause you to worship Jesus as Lord and Master of your life. Knowing that he is your defender, he is your provider, he is your keeper. We worship him tonight because we know though everything around us is changing, yet he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody giving praise tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ is your provider, your keeper, your defender. And then Peter says this, be ready. Be ready to explain your hope. If anyone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to give an explanation. But do it in a gentle and respectful way. Matter of fact, Peter says, keep your conscience clear. Why? Because then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Can I remind you that tonight you belong to Christ? You are his. You belong to the house of faith. And then verse 17, Peter says, remember, it's better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Which brings us to our second point, Christ, our example. Verse 18 is a powerful verse. And I want to make sure we take time to look at this verse this evening. It's the gospel. Verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. This verse gives one of the clearest 
simplest and most powerful descriptions of the meaning of the death of Christ. This is the gospel. Peter said Christ suffered. So Peter is setting Jesus in front of us as an example. Jesus' death was a substitute death for you and for me. This has reference to the Old Testament sacrificial system where an animal was given in substitution for the one offering the sacrifice. Christ became the sacrificial lamb. And Peter declares that Christ's suffering had a purpose. He had a purpose and mercy was in view. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful mercy was in view. Now notice he says his suffering was for our sins. For your sin, for my sin, for the sins of the world. His suffering, Christ suffered for our sin. He did nothing wrong. He was the innocent. He was without sin. He died because of my sin, because of my brokenness. It was my sin that hung him there on the cross. Just back a, a chapter in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. Peter wrote this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Notice, he personally carried our sins on the cross so that we can be dead to sin but live to what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. <laughs> he carried your sin on his body or in his body on the cross so that you could be dead to sin, but you could live to the righteousness of God, to the righteous standard of God. And guess what? By his wounds, you are healed. See, a divine transaction was taking place as Jesus, the Son of God, was hanging on the cross. As he was suffering, a transaction was taking place in that heavenly sanctuary. He, the Lamb of God, was carrying our sins in his body on the cross. And Peter said, once for all time. Now, unlike the Old Testament priest and the Old Testament worshiper, who had to bring a sin offering year after year after year. Jesus, as the sin bearer, died once for all. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 7 verse 27 says this, unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this, notice, once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for people's sin. He did this once for all. Go over a couple chapters to chapter 9 of Hebrews. Look at verse 28. Christ was offered once for all time 
as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly are waiting for him. See, Christ died once for all time. He took your sin and he carried away. Now notice what Peter says. In verse 18 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter, he says he died to bring us home to God. He bore my sin so I could come home. He bore your sin so that we could come into the family. He became our scapegoat to bring us home to God. He was willing to go through the awfulness of the cross. Why? Because he wanted to bring you home to the Father. Go back to that fateful day. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 45 and verse 46, describes the horror of the moment. It says in verse 45, at darkness, or at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. The whole land was full of darkness. And about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So as to set the image of the battle raging, the gospel writer tells us darkness fell across the whole land. Then in the midst of the physical darkness, as to emulate the feelings of the moment, Jesus cries out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It is here on the cross, Jesus quotes Psalm 22 verse 1. At the moment of his greatest suffering, he tasted separation for us. Theologian Roger Ellsworth writes, why was he forsaken of God? He says he was taken the place of sinners. He was made sin for those whom the Father had given him before the foundation of the world. He was bearing our penalty. And the ultimate penalty for sin is God forsakenness forever. It's to be separated from God in that place of eternal destruction. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says they will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. See, in order for Jesus to bear that penalty, he had to be forsaken of God. And we have never begun, even in our, our moments of keen insight, to understand the depths of Calvary. It was there the Lord Jesus bore in his own person an eternity of the wrath of God. He, being infinite, suffered in a finite amount of time. What be we, being finite, would suffer in an infinite amount of time. Eternity was compressed upon him. Why did he do it? Because the holiness of God demanded it. The prophet Habakkuk was right. God is of purer eyes than to behold evil. 
in that awesome period in which Jesus actually became the sin bearer, the holy God withdrew from him, God forsaking God. That's the essence and the unfathomable depth of the cross. Think about it, church. This moment is the darkest hour of his crucifixion, and it preceded the great moment when the veil was torn. Often, the night is the darkest right before the breakthrough. Often, the suffering is the harshest right before the victory. Things are bad. Things are difficult. But hear me, your breakthrough is about to happen. Your victory is about to be yours. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. And it's the darkest night you've ever walked through. But hear me, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Jesus, as a general marshalling his forces together for the final assault when all seems but lost when all seems undone when all seems hopeless jesus the captain of our salvation lets out a battle cry my god my god and church can i tell you in your dark night call on god in your suffering, call on God. In your pain, call on God. In your rejection, call on God. In your loneliness, call on God. Jesus in his humanity tasted death so that we might be free. Jesus experienced the depths of the horror of separation. He experienced the pain and agony of separation. Jesus in his humanity hanging on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth as a sacrificial lamb. As the spotless Lamb of God experienced for a vivid moment the agony of loneliness. Why? Because he was bringing you home to the Father. He was bringing you back to God. He was bearing the sins of many so that you could come home to the Father. Theologians tell us a transaction was taking place at this moment in time as Jesus' perfect life was exchanged for the sins of the world. It is at this moment in real time that a transaction was taking place in the heavenlies. Our guilt exchanged for his innocence. Our transgressions were his sinlessness. Our imperfection for his perfection. Our unrighteousness were his righteousness. Our conflict for his peace. Our shame for his comfort. At this moment, the Lamb of God was being slaughtered and his blood was given for the guilty. Your sin, my sin, the sins of humanity was laid upon Jesus, the scapegoat. He who never knew separation, he who never knew defilement, he who never knew anything but communion with the Father, for a brief moment in time, experienced the depths of human wretchedness as my sin was laid upon him. The Apostle Paul told the church of Corinth, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Peter says he was carrying our sins away 
so that we could be brought home to God. What love. What goodness. What mercy. Jesus was willing to go all the way. Jesus was willing to completely do the will of his Father. How can you and I not be willing to go all the way for him? Listen to the words of Peter. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but was raised to life in the spirit. The King James says, Jesus was quickened by the spirit. The resurrection is what gives the death of Christ its power. These persecuted believers, these believers who were walking through affliction could do so with faith and courage because Jesus himself suffered and even died to carry our sins away. But the story does not end in death. The story ends in resurrection. And may that encourage you tonight. May that encourage you in this season. The story does not end in destruction. The story ends in resurrection power. I want to remind you, your God is for you. Your story ends in life. Your story ends in victory. Your story ends in resurrection power. Jesus suffered. He died to bring you safely home to God. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. I don't know about you, but that makes me grateful. I don't know about you, but that makes me thankful. I can't help but say hallelujah. I can't help but say thank you, Jesus. I can't help but give him a little shout and give him a little dance. Why? Because he carried my sins away. He bore my sin so that I could come home to the Father. So as his children tonight... Can we worship the Father? Can we give him our praise? Can we give him glory? Can we just give him our worship?